here we go. Welcome back to Nothing to Say, the Fans Podcast. This is episode 135. Let me apologize in advance if I sound a little nasally. I'm getting over COVID. My first, my first interaction with COVID, really. I haven't had it, and it braced Bree and I this past weekend, and it kicked our ass. I have to say, it was top three worst illness that I've ever had. Um, I definitely put that up on the list, but I feel better. So I'm happy to be doing the show. Uh, Sam, how was, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. You know, funny story. And I didn't tell you this already, but uh, Jenna and I showed up to her car after getting sushi and we see a man standing right there. We get a little closer and we see that he's kind of fiddling right next to her car. We, I thought originally that he was peeing. So I run over Granted, I am wearing slides, sweats, and a hoodie. So I look like straight up trailer trash. And I'm running over and Jenna locks the door and it beeps and he runs away. But I think the reason he ran away was, why would I steal from this guy? He looks worse off than I am. <laughs> so is was the assumption that he was trying to break into your guys' car? I guess that's what I'm getting from that. Yes, is oh, is the answer because we... The balls on this dude was unreal. I run over and he just cool, cool, calmly and collectively walks away. And as he's walking away, he's trying to just test the handles of other cars. That is some big balls on that guy. Yeah, I, you know, I've never had anything like that before. I Actually, the only time when I knew somebody fiddled with my car was you. And that was when I was, that wasn't, it wasn't fiddling, but the story was, is that I was at work and Sam came to, uh, Sam came to visit just because he was in town, came in and left and he had bought something in the store and ripped up the receipt and threw it through my back window because my windows were cracked. And I I was furious when I walked over and then I opened, I sort of saw the receipt and was like, oh, okay. So that was, that was him. So. But that's the only time I've ever had somebody fiddle with my car. Um, yeah. I, were you, so, and you guys were in a pretty public place then. You said you were coming out yeah, of a sushi restaurant. So packed. Uh, well, it was, a, it was a parking garage. So a little enclosed, but it was packed. People mm-hmm. right across the way standing by their cars. And this guy had zero shame. I mean, so lock it, everyone, everyone watching this, lock your cars. <laughs> Lock your cars. <laughs> Lock your cars. Moral of the story. <laughs> Moral of the story. All right. Well, enough interactions with people. I guess I don't no even one. know. I don't even know the appropriate word. <laughs> the appropriate word to uh, to move on from that. From is, but let's head to the action that happened yesterday, and that was Game Seven. The Boston Celtics beat the Miami Heat in Game Seven, one hundred to ninety six. And while that was a great game, really the big topic of conversation was that final possession for the Miami Heat when Jimmy Butler came down, took a three, and, you know, the argument is, was taking the three the right call or should he have driven? It was the shot heard around the world, really. Um, And I know that there are a lot of different sides to this point because there are a lot of different factors that obviously have to be brought in when you're analyzing that play on whether or not it was the right or wrong play. But Sam, you and I haven't actually gotten a chance to talk about this. Where do you lie on this? Just what do you, what did you think of the play overall? I'm not going to ask you if you thought it was 
the right or wrong decision, but what did you think of the play? Yeah, I think first off, this game turned out to be an unbelievable game. I think Boston was really controlling the game throughout. Miami struggled to make shots the entire game, but stormed back late. And I think Jimmy Butler cemented the fact that he is just a playoff hero for Miami at this point in their franchise has really cemented himself as one of the staples for that franchise, even though he hasn't won anything. Uh, the dude played his heart out. And I think if I'm, if I'm associated with that franchise and Jimmy thinks that's the shot to take, I'm, I'm cool with it. If he's feeling like he could make that shot in transition off the dribble, pull up jumper for three for the win. Who am I to say he's wrong? You know? Yeah, and I have to I have to admit initially I, I'm I'm with you on that now. Initially when I saw it, my gut reaction was that was a bad shot. Or not a bad shot per se. That was the wrong decision. And I have since come around to I just because I, I had a chance to watch it more. Um and I've come around to the idea that I don't actually necessarily think in that scenario that there is a right or wrong decision. The way that I looked at it was if I were letter grading it, if it were me personally, and this is just my opinion, I would say that the decision to shoot was like a B. And in my opinion, this is just me, the decision to drive would have been the A decision. However, neither one of them I think are inherently wrong per se. If you're associated with the Heat, I think you live with either. Obviously, people are going to have different opinions on what they think is right or wrong, but I actually don't know if that's the right way to go about it because I think, obviously, in that situation, I think the default answer should always be, like you said, go with the player. If Jimmy Butler walks down the court at in those final seconds, walks up and goes, you know what, I think this is the right decision, then at the end of the day, it is the right decision because that's what he felt was best suited in that moment. If I was a little angel on his shoulder, I would have been yelling at him to drive. <laughs> but you know, drive, that's that's obviously that's obviously hindsight being 2020. There's a lot that goes into that too. And I was talking to my dad because um I wanted I wanted to know what he thought about this. And I think the player also has to like who is doing that also has to be taken into account because, like, if Curry does that, nobody's batting enough. If Giannis does that, people are questioning it maybe a little bit more because Curry, you're like, oh, he definitely needs to shoot that. He's wide open. If it's Giannis, it's like, dude, go dunking on somebody. I think Jimmy Butler kind of falls in that tweener category a little bit for me because he is capable of making that shot. He actually made that exact same shot earlier in the game. Um, but he is like a 23% three-point shooter at least on the season he was about 23 percent so I think at the end of the day maybe the smarter decision was to drive but that doesn't mean that what he decided to do was wrong by any means necessary yeah and I think it also has to be taken into account and this works both ways of the player that's defending him on that play was Al Horford in transition with you see he has limited to no help defense whatsoever but he's been pretty much guarding Butler the whole series. It almost seems like it's either him or smart is on him. And they really switched Horford on him because Jimmy wasn't settling for that three, or they wanted him to settle for that three. 
and really keep him out of that paint. So maybe in Butler's eyes, because he has six games of evidence of where, man, it's tough getting a shot up. And it makes it a little easier for the big man if I go into the paint and he can chase down block me or somehow keep me in front of me and really put up a nice contest because he's got five inches on him, right? So if that's what Jimmy's thinking there and he thinks that also the Boston Celtics have the best defense in the league. I think we can all say that, right? It's either them or Miami. If he thinks that he can get a shot up before that defense is set, more power to him. Right. If that all those yeah. things are happening in his head and he's like, you know, I can confidently get this shot up, then that's that's the right shot. It just didn't yeah. go in. Yeah, it, it, it didn't go, it didn't go in. And if it I think also the reactions to this are dictated by the results. So if it goes in, I don't think we're really having this conversation. You know, he's a hero. Oh, but I think performer. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Jimmy, the narrative totally shifts. A winner. Totally like... The media is <laughs> going to take it in a totally different direction. Exactly. Um, so the, the narrative is really results dictated, but yeah, I like, I, and I think, I think you and I are saying the same thing. Like he's your best player. You got to trust him in that situation. If he thinks it's the right play, then who are we to argue at the end of the day, he was wide open he was wide open Mm -hmm. it's easy to say hindsight 2020 that maybe driving would have been the smarter play especially given how good jimmy is around the rim but whether or not he made the right or wrong decision i think that's being painted up a lot in the media i'm hearing right now and i don't think that's the right way to frame it because he didn't make an incorrect decision he made a decision and if you're the Miami Heat, he's your best player. You pay him. He's earned the right to make that decision. So you got to live and die with what he decides to do in that situation. So Definitely. Definitely. Like, we're not talking about Max Struess taking that shot. Yeah. And not giving Jimmy or Lowry or Oladipo or all these other guys that shot. Or Duncan Robinson taking it up the length of the court to make take that shot. A good three-point shooter. But still, I if I'm a Miami Heat fan or part of that organization, I'm livid if Jimmy doesn't touch that ball. So at least he was the one that's going to decide your season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you that don't know, we actually, we have started, and I promise I'm going to turn this back around to the Heat, but for those of you that don't know, we actually, we started a social media page and I actually put a question out this morning asking what everybody's thoughts were about this about this play. So it actually brings me a lot of joy that I can say for the first time, we actually have some reaction on the question that we posted that we can give to you guys um, about what some fans were thinking of that situation. So give me one second to pull it up. I have it right here ready. And our social media account is on Instagram. It's at n.t.s underscore podcast. So nothing to say podcast. We actually have some reaction, which I'm super happy that we can officially share. Um, I've actually got three that I'm going to read. This first one comes from uh, Justin Wood. He said that, let me pull it up. There's so many different comments right here. I just lost it. Said, I thought he should have went to the basket. So there was one vote for talking about whether or not um, it was the right decision. We got another comment. 
I didn't hear back from this person, so I'm not going to read their name. Um, but he said, no, he should have driven to the basket and got a foul. So that was two votes for driving to the basket. And then we got another lengthy message from, and I apologize if I mispronounce uh, the name, but it's Eric, it's Eric and Cooley. Um, so that is his handle. So he writes, the Heat had Jimmy James Butler on the court for, and what he later put a correction to this, but he was saying that he had 35 points and played all 48 minutes of the game. During a conference finals game seven, and I'll read it verbatim, a resting term is deserved for the way Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat performed last night. Go Heat. So I think Eric's a Heat fan, and I think there was a little typo in there saying a resting term. I don't, sorry, Eric, I'm not entirely sure what you mean there. But I think Eric, I think it's clear that Eric is a uh, Heat fan, and it sounds like he was okay with the shot. So we've got votes on either side. I put up a poll on my page on whether or not that was the right decision or not. 67% of the vote said he should have driven, and 33% said he should have taken the three. Look, at the end of the day, whether or not it was the right or wrong decision, it's clear that there are people on both sides of it, which is why I think based on what we're, I, which is why I think the stance that we're taking, that either one you'll live with is probably sort of the way I think we should be, we should be looking at it. It's not right or wrong per se. There's just two options and you got to live with whichever one your best player is going to decide. Yeah. And if Jimmy Butler were to come out uh, today and say, Hey guys, that's on me. I made a mistake. Then that totally shifts how I view that play. If he thinks that if he were to look back at that and say, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done it that way, then then it kind of shifts it a little bit. I I think um, going to the basket and trying to initiate a foul, I know you're not like, that's not the sole reason why you're going there, but I think refs are less inclined to decide a game seven with a foul call there. I think they're, they're going to swallow their, whistle, their whistles a little more. Um, and that's advantage Horford, that's advantage Boston D to where they can really maybe be a little more physical on, on Butler if he's driving to the basket. Um, maybe he's able, Horford's able to stay in front of him with a little bit of hand check and a little bit of riding in with his body. And then all of a sudden Butler can't get a good shot off, right? Those, those are things that have to be in play. And maybe that was told to Jimmy prior to that play, right? Spolstra's like, hey guys, we need we can't count on the refs to bail us out here. Those are all of those things could be at play. Yeah, there's a lot of different variables that go into that go into that play. And at the end of the day, like we've been saying, he is your best player. He's earned the right to make that decision. And you kind of got to live with whichever one he decides in the moment is the right decision. It's easy to say, you know, being far being, you know almost 24 hours removed from the play, it's easy to dissect it and say, oh, well, he should or shouldn't have done it. But like we've been saying, the narrative is sort of determined on what actually happened. Because if he makes it, then we're not having this conversation. So at the end of the day, can't go back, can't redo the game. The Celtics win 196. The Celtics go on to the NBA finals and the finals are set. We have the Golden State Warriors versus the Boston Celtics. Now, the question is, who's going to win the NBA Finals? That's what we're going to be talking about next. That's the question. <laughs> that is the question. because, And I say it in that term and in that way because 
for me, this is a pick them series. I have been, I'm from the beginning of the playoffs. You know this. I've been with the Celtics from the beginning. And from a, like, from a fan's perspective, I would love to see them go on. But, man, the Warriors look really, really good. So I'm curious, what are your initial thoughts on how this NBA Finals is going to play out? Um, I think this is the finals that definitely everyone wanted to see when these conference matchups were set. Uh, and that's it's just a great offense and a good defensive team versus one of the best defenses we've seen in a while. Uh, matchups all over, players playing, superstar players playing well at the right times. Uh, I think Golden State has the advantage for me just because I think they have a firepower that Boston might not have an answer for. Uh, they really are going to need Tatum, Brown to be consistent throughout the series. And we I don't know if we've seen that from both of them, at least in, throughout the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a good time. I think it's it, it's not going to – I don't think it's going to go seven, though. Okay, so I'm glad that you made a comment about the potential length of the series because that is something that I wanted to get your opinion on. How much of a factor do you think the road that Boston had to take to get here is going to play against them? Because they had to go for, yeah, they swept Brooklyn, but I mean, they, they were razor thin victories. And I mean, literally one of them came on the last second. Then they had to play the Bucks, who were the defending champs. They went to seven games and then they played the number one seed uh, in the East with the Miami Heat. Again, went to seven games. They've had some really long series, and Golden State, their first series was five games, second one was six, and their most recent one against Dallas was also five games. So it's been a comparatively much more difficult road for Boston to get here. Plus, they've been a little banged up with Marcus Smart, Robert Williams just got back, Al Horford was out for some health and safety reasons. So the Celtics are kind of coming in, I think, almost a little bit limping, while the Warriors are they're rested and ready to go for this. So how much of a factor do you think that is going to play in this series? I think it impacts later in the series. I think early on, because the game is going to be on Thursday, um, I think that gives Boston at least three, three four nights off, right? Um, I think they'll be fresh and ready for the first couple of games. But as that series moves along and these guys are – Following screen, following shooters around, following Steph and Clay around, being hyper focused on defense every single play. I think it it's just going to over time wear and wear and wear Boston down. Of man, it's been a long road, and if you take one playoff, Golden State can kill you for it. They can put up fifteen points in the blink of an eye, and you might not even you won't even know what happened. Right. I mean, Boston needs to be hyper, hyper focused. And they've just they've done it for so long. Can we really ask them to do it for another series? So I think an argument can be made for both. I think that's a valid point in the sense that it is just. I feel like. It's hard to say whether or not it truthful. I mean, the only people who are actually going to know is the guys on the floor for Boston. So we don't, truthfully, honestly, nobody knows. No. So for me, I think it'd be easy to say 
yes, that it's going to impact them. But then again, on the same on the same coin, I think an argument could be made that, well, yes, I think that could maybe negatively affect them. I think what the long series is actually going to do in terms of helping them is maybe give them some confidence if they get to game five, six, and eventually seven, that they can look back on their resume this postseason and go, you know what, we we can win game sixes and we can win game sevens. Well, I shouldn't say game six. They just lost one to Miami on the home floor, but we can win game sevens, right? So if they they get deeper into this series, I'd like to think that they can look back on their resume and go, you know what, we've been in this situation twice already and we're here. So there's no reason in the world why we can't do it again. I think that that might give them some confidence. So I think that that part of it could help them. But like you said, I, I you know, there is, there might be something to be said about how, about if it does go that long, if, you know, the road that they've taken is going to come back to sort of bite them in the butt a little bit. And obviously it's not their fault. They had to play who they had to play and, you know, give the heat and give the bucks credit. They gave them everything that they could handle. Um, but if we're just specifically talking about health, yeah, I think the warriors come into this way more prepped and way more well rested and ready to go and just less beat up, honestly. So it remains to be seen whether or not it's actually going to play a factor, but I guess we'll find out the deeper the series goes. So now what I would like from you is your official pick. What do you think is going to happen in the NBA finals? What game is this series going to close out on? And who's going to be holding the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season? Um, I think it's going to be Golden State and six. Golden I think State it's fair six. to it's fair to give Boston two games. I think that the experience just comes into play, and it almost seems like a a switch was flipped at the start of that Dallas series to where Golden State was like, "Yeah, now, now we're turning it on," and really Dallas didn't have a chance, and like that might happen in this series of where games are just like. Boston shows up and man, there was no chance we're going to win today. <laughs> let's let's pack up the suitcases and go back home. Okay, so there's a part two to this question because that is what you think is going to happen. Now I'm going to ask you, what do you want to happen? Do you yeah, want to be, see Golden State win or Boston? This might be blasphemous as a uh, a Kings fan, but I kind of want to see Golden State win after their a little bit far fall from grace the last two years of repeated injuries and different things happening. I think it's, it's pretty, it's a nice comeback story to where they can get to the top without Kevin Durant, without the super team stigma and potentially win a championship. I think that's actually sort of a redeeming story for them. Yeah. You know, I, I have found myself rooting for them during this postseason and it does feel a little weird as a Kings fan to say that but I think I think the same thing is happening to me as what happened with like Tom Brady like I got so sick and tired of seeing him in the Super Bowl and then eventually after that sort of wore off it was like 
yeah, I want to see him get another one. <laughs> like, yeah, why not? Get 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 another ring. Go Tom. So I feel like the same thing is sort of happening for me with Golden State. But I also think that's because Durant isn't there anymore. And that just felt so ridiculously unfair that it almost wasn't even fun to watch. Now that it's back to Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And by the way, can we just like give an absolute love Wiggins. to Clay Thompson? Oh, Wiggins. <laughs> Wiggins has been balling, dude. I, I thought you were I, trying no, to make I wasn't, it up. I, no, no, no. I, I wasn't uh I wasn't saying like trying to dismiss Poole or Wiggins and their contribution to the team. What I was gonna say is those three guys, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, were there before um Durant. They were there during and now they're there after. So if they end up winning one before and after him, um then I think that that's going to do them really well, uh, do a lot for them in the long run. And I also think that that's going to diminish uh, Durant's title just a little bit. Um, it has the potential to do that. Um, so, but before we even say anything, I'm just super happy for Clay Thompson to be back in the NBA Finals after everything that he had to deal with to play as well as he has. I know he's had some up and down games, but man to to see the emotion on his face after they made it back that was so so cool yeah all the hours of work i would i'd love to hear him talk about what this moment means to him if they were to win yeah. of all the rehab that he had to go through back to back years that must have felt like an eternity to get back to the yeah. court and then when he comes back doesn't play probably to his standards and it just feels like he's forcing it, trying to get back to that player that he once was. And uh, during the playoffs, there's moments and glimpses of the old Clay Thompson that could just erupt for 40 points. On a team. Thanks, Clay. <laughs> and Boston's got to be careful of it. Yeah. Because he, you can't really throw a, a defense at him. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> like he just, he just shoots. You give him an inch and he shoots. And it's probably yeah. going in. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have Golden State uh, 4-2, and you want Golden State to win. So I definitely want Boston to win. As much as I just um, said how cool it would be for Golden State to win another championship post-Durant era, I've – during the middle of that net series, I was so – for Boston because I wanted to see them bury Brooklyn and I just like threw my fandom to them I was like I am with Boston to the end of this series and they won and even against Milwaukee I was like yeah let's let's go Boston and then with Miami it was like okay I'm just gonna keep riding with them so I've been rooting for them since like game three of that net series however I really think they have a chance to win this series I really do they have – we've already mentioned that they have a phenomenal defense, probably the best in the NBA. I think it's safe to say at this point. They have Jason Tatum, who is emerging as a top five player in the league. He's going to – I mean, it's – would it be a fetch – I mean, it wouldn't be far-fetched to say he's going to probably win an MVP within the next five years. Yeah? Oof. Yeah, a lot of good players in the NBA. Um, this would help them. I think help that yeah. narrative if he were to win a finals and win finals MVP. I think that definitely opens the eyes of some 
writers and other officials that vote on the MVP, I think they would kind of look at him in a new light. Yeah. I'll put it this way. I think that's a safer bet than not. You know? Yeah, I mean, he just kind of, what do you average? He averaged like 27 this year, like 26. I think he's got to to put up ridiculous numbers to win MVP. I think that sounds like the most brain-dead thing to say, but you just got to put up ridiculous numbers, and who knows if that is going to happen also a narrative award a little bit, too. Um, Not this year, because somehow Jokic won it. <laughs> you hate Jokic. <laughs> just, it's crazy that he's a two-time MVP. It's insane. Um, so I I really think Boston has a chance to win this series, and I like my my gut is telling me to pick Golden State because it just feels like the safer pick. But Boston has done some really incredible things this postseason and i kind of just want to pick them to be against you so that way we're rooting for different things um but if if i really want to be as like completely removed from this series as possible then i would i'd have to pick golden state and i would pick them in seven games because i really think boston is going to give them everything that they can handle um so what i think is going to happen i'll say golden state in seven and that's just me removing all fandom from it and just saying i'm just going to look at these two teams at face value but i desperately want boston to win. i really do want them to win because i do think they deserve it and i definitely do think golden state deserves another championship but they can get one next um let boston win this year who knows if they can injuries are a thing guys are getting older yeah, that's, we don't know well yeah if- but i was just saying <laughs> Draymond might transition to podcasting and anal- right. analyst. He's already <laughs> right. he's like a hybrid at this point. Yeah. As soon as the game's over, he's running over the TNT set. Bam. Yeah. So there you have it. So Sam's official pick for what he thinks is going to happen is four to two. Uh, well, the series is going to be four two. Going to go to six games. Golden State winning, and then he also wants Golden State to win. I'm going to pick Golden State in seven games. However, I want Boston. To win, so I'll be rooting for Boston. Okay, so that will wrap up our NBA coverage for this episode. We do have one more segment at the end of this, which is going to be predominantly Sam. This is his realm. Uh, I'm still very new to to well Formula One racing. That's what our next segment and last segment of this episode is going to be. So Sam, take it away because there was a race this past weekend. I know you watched it, so give us a quick breakdown on uh, the race and what we might have to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's, I think it's gotta be more of a discussion. I know you're putting yourself on mute, but there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, no, I'll I like, like most people in the U S we were introduced to formerly one with F1 drive to survive the Netflix show that, Oh my God, is one of the best. It's like, I think it's way better than hard knocks. It's way, it's the best sports current docu-series I think is out there right now for me is just so incredible but the sport itself we touched on a little bit two weeks ago when we had or last week we had that I can't remember when that was but it the way that the league is set up with only 20 drivers you're the best 20 drivers in the world and 10 teams, different um, 
like brands associations with Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, Aston Martin, McLaren, all of the high end cars in the world. But I think it's just, it's just beautiful. So that's a little bit of the layout. And this last weekend was on Sunday. So yes, yesterday for us, two days ago for when this comes out was the Monaco Grand Prix, which is maybe the most premier Grand Prix race that's on the Formula One schedule. And man, it was, it was definitely interesting. I think it's the first race I've watched live. And if you're in the U.S., you got to wake up pretty early <laughs> for that thing. And it definitely 6 a.m., right? It's it was supposed to start at 6 a.m. They delayed it because it was raining so heavily. So I have were, so I have the, the recap sort of up right now. The track looks pretty soaked. It was for the first like 15 laps, and then it became a non-factor. Um, super big ups to the the commentators that we're commenting this because there's a lot of things that don't happen during this race for this one was 77 races all the all the different races have or 77 laps all of them at different lap totals um because they're pretty much supposed to cover like two hours of driving time so yeah. because different uh races have different lengths yada 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 right um but <laughs> the commentators are able to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just the the craziest things like, oh, which tires do you think he's going to put on? Oh, my gosh. When, like, when do you think just he's going to go into Making the, the most trivial things he decides. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> nothing, like, no racers have changed positions whatsoever. No cars have mm-hmm. changed positions for three laps. And they're still trying to, they're, like, yelling like a goal was just scored of, oh, my God, he hasn't put the intermediate tires on yet. What is he doing? What are they going to call him? It's just... It's so it's so admirable of the job they're doing, but um, the big story for this one, I guess, for anyone that follows the sport, um, Charles Charles Leclerc, the um, French, he's from Monaco, but the French driver for Ferrari was qualified first, so he started the race in front, and twenty six laps was in front, and then. Ferrari had a mix-up to where they they told him to go in for a pit stop, so change tires, whatever. And then at the last second, they asked him to not, but he already committed to going. So he goes in, they weren't ready for him, and then he comes out a little late. And Red Bull, the team that's pretty much is leading currently the championship for both the driver and the team, uh, we're able to get in front of both Ferrari cars. And because the way that Monaco is structured with how tight and narrow the like yeah. course, pretty much the track is, you really can't pass anyone at that level. So that's how it stood. And that one mistake cost Ferrari a whole bunch of points. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one. Of, so I'm watching this race. And, you know, for us, you know, we played basketball, football, you played volleyball. We both, um, you know, we, we played a bunch of different sports. Like we, we, we tried them all. Yeah. We handled so, all our balls. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so like when, 
when you're watching a big play in like football and you're watching somebody get clobbered, obviously you don't know how that feels like on an NFL level, but you know what it feels like to take a big hit in football or same thing in basketball. Like if you hit a big shot in a big moment, it's like, Oh, you know, I kind of have a little bit of context for what that feels like and what that sort of looks like real time. This when it comes to this, I mean, especially when they do the camera inside the car, it is just insane to watch because I mean, I have no frame of reference, no frame of reference to pull from to go, Oh yeah, I know exactly what that feels like and exactly how to react in that sort of situation or have a guess at how to react in that situation. So I think from that aspect, for me, it's unique to watch because of that, because there is no like frame of reference that I can pull from to go, oh yeah, like I, I know, I know, like I know why that was cool. <laughs> to me, it's just cool because it's like I don't, like I don't know. It's cool because I don't, you know. Yeah, I think it's in the last race in Monaco. I think it was so funny because the first ten laps, like you said, the track was soaked, so the cars yeah, it, are literally yeah. going around like 35, 45 miles an hour. Right. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I could drive that in my Honda Accord and we can make it around the track. It's all good. But then when you look at um, highlights and as it got a little better um, later in the race, cars are going close to 200 miles an hour Mm -hmm. around this track and they're making tight turns. Um, And the intrigue, I think, is the like the holding your breath of, oh, my gosh, someone could crash. And someone could legitimately yeah. die from this. And they've made the cars a lot safer than they ever have. But someone could legitimately die from this, what they're doing. I think that's sort of the allure of the sport. And it's also, I think it's just, it's the wow factor of these are the only 20 people in the world that can do this. Drive yeah. this fast on that crazy of a track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they just, they showed a highlight and... They had the, they had, they they were clocking one of the cars and it was yeah at around two hundred. Um, oh, and the best the coverage that the F one does. You mentioned um, the helm. They have a helmet cam. They have a yeah. camera on the car. Um, they have where you can like get into the radio of every team when oh, things yeah, are happening. Yeah. That is such. It's like miking up a basketball player or a football player. But it's not like you're you're looking at it in in a commercial break or something. Yeah. About to, it's real time, and I think it, that is so cool for the broadcast and like um, consuming that product of when Ferrari had that big mess up. Charlotte Claire, who was in the lead, was just throwing f bombs. He was like, "What the fuck? What are we?" <laughs> And you don't get that in any other sport. You really don't like, yeah. get that in real time. Like, can you imagine? Like, oh, let's go back and look at Marcus Smart and what he said on this play or whatever. Yeah. That's that's different than unedited. We're gonna <laughs> show you what this person said in this moment and get their real thoughts. Well, could you imagine if you? I mean, it'd be like if you put like a helmet cam on like a linebacker and watch them read a play real time and sort of what they're saying. Like, you know what, for this mm-hmm. play, we're going to, this broadcast for this play, we're going to watch the play from the linebackers perspective. 
I wonder if that's something other sports could or aren't willing to implement because it seems like such a unique thing. Like, obviously, you probably couldn't do it in basketball, um, but you could get away with it in football, and you could probably get away with it in hockey. Um, mm-hmm. Golf, probably not as be... much. Um, <laughs> Here's I'm just the throwing out you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Tennis, not uh, probably not so much. <laughs> um, basically, well, what I'm saying so is funny. any okay, any sport with a helmet. Do, do we lose the feet? Oh no, he's just standing still. Okay, now we're going. Yeah, we're oh, good. okay. There, we can't see the ball now. Yeah. So something out. But I think I think football and like you said, hockey. I think would be something that would integrate pretty seamlessly. Um, I can You'd have to of, mute the mic during one of the dog pileups, though. <laughs> Probably. Well, even if you start slow with the camera, I think the linebacker would be interesting. I think the quarterback would have to be. Um, yeah. Running back would be interesting for seeing the running lanes. I think that would really give fans um, a look. I don't think you could do it. It would have to be like a replay, like what you do with the pylon cam or something. Probably. Um, I don't think you could do it in. Um, like during live play. Oh gosh, did you lose me? You for like a quarter of a second, but you're good. Good. Yeah. But I think that would That's be really good. something that would, and then you could you could integrate VR with it, and you could be like, oh my god, I'm Tom Brady right now. Oh, Tom, don't, don't don't throw that pass. There's a DB <laughs> right there. <laughs> Derek, don't throw that. Colin Kaepernick is going to get can you something imagine, for you. You know where they should test test run it? Do it on the Manning cast. Do it right there. Perfect. He doesn't he have a he has like a segment where he like breaks down what the quarterbacks are seeing, doesn't he? Uh I think so. I think but I but you know if more I'm just using them as an example more than anything, but like if yeah. you wanted to test run it, platforms like that would be a good place to give it a try. Well we you also I don't think we're like close, like on the doorstep of just no. implementing that. Probably into a helmet or anything like yeah probably not. they really gotta sit down and think about that because i don't know where you'd really put it i guess cameras can be pretty dang small but look we're paving the way for just these inventions later on when it happens people are going to come back to this show and go look these guys were ahead of their time they need at least 15 percent stake in this company so so let if we can go back to formula one a little bit yeah I just want to reiterate the fact that these guys are able to talk about tires for pretty much because during the middle of this race, there was a stoppage. There was a red flag stoppage because um, someone had a pretty big crash and they had to like clean up part of the course. Right. So there was no race for probably like 10 to 15 minutes. And they're just talking about different tire scenarios. Like this is such a, Oh, I like I like big cars go fast type of sport. You but know, do you think that <laughs> that would so turn awesome. off casual? Do you think that that would turn off casual viewers who know who have no idea what they're talking about? Yeah, I think I think because I definitely consider myself a casual viewer. There's no doubt about it. I think the the drive to survive show really jazzes it up because it doesn't it cuts through all that. And you instead of talking about what tires guys are getting, you're listening into the um the team like managers pretty much and what they're thinking and you're listening to the drivers during the highlights of the race and it just yeah it gives you a little more right 
Um, I don't know what really they would do other than I that. mean, I, yeah, I, I could, <laughs> I, could I guess, do it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's super interesting though, of like yeah. what lap to take, like it's all determined on uh, relative to the other drivers in your position, like from six to nine, if the person in front of you boxes, you should probably box and boxes is going to the pit area. Um, then you should probably do it so then you don't lose out or do you hold off for a couple laps so you get that advantage in time it's just it's it's chess that's what they all they all seem to compare it to chess and making different moves right. and it's like any sport you're just trying to make the right one um like jimmy butler did last night yeah <laughs> way to way to tie it all in way to tie it all in <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we've always been a closet tennis show. I guess we might be a closet Formula One show now. Oh, it's not going to be a closet. It might be the guest bedroom. Look, I I was going to watch it and ended up not because it was six a.m. <laughs> I needed to sleep because I had COVID, so I yeah. I need I needed some sleep. Um, but you you have you have opened my eyes a little bit to it. I watched one of the practice. Um, rounds i think a week or two before the monaco race and that mm -hmm. was fun that's when i texted you that i was watching it and it was yeah it was i mean it's entertaining it really is fun to watch yeah um, i think it's definitely a sport that caters towards the hardcore a little yeah. bit more like i think football conceptually is a lot easier to just pick up and watch yeah like oh he caught the ball and ran it into the end zone it's not like there's different rules that go into it of where you're not allowed to turn into someone or you're not yeah. allowed to go off the track for a certain amount of time and get an advantage or whatever. Like there's so many of those different rules and penalties. Um, but I like how they're just unapologetic about it of like, yeah. they can get a following and get that many loyal people that are all in of like, yes, Lewis Hamilton got a five second delay. Let's, let's go type of thing. It's like, that's not, what do you, what sport cheers about that? Right. No, yeah yeah and it's one of those things where i guess as long as they know what they are then it's going to make that broadcast honestly that much better because then they're not trying to be something that they're not right i i would love to go to an f1 grand prix so there's usually two well there's there might be two in, in the u.s starting every year one in miami and one in austin but i think that would just be so cool to go to i think it's better than nascar I it's agree. gotta be. I agree. I agree. It's it's Nothing, extreme go karting. The most electric race though is horse racing though. I <laughs> dude, I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Uh, like the Kentucky the, Derby and the the Derby that the happened freakness. a couple weeks ago was electric. It was no so way. much fun. Oh my god. They did you hear the story? What? about about what happened at the derby like two three weeks ago no okay i'll tell you it off air but it was it was one of the most exciting like sport like honestly one of the most exciting sporting events i had watched in a long time it was so much fun so much fun we gotta i'm not make, saying every race is like that we but. gotta make a bucket list of like sporting events that just have to be gone to at least once yeah yeah all right, thank you all so much for listening to episode 135 or watching episode 135 on YouTube. We really do appreciate it. Again, we are available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you all 
next time for episode 136. Yeah.